You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. excited about this message. I'm talking about wine today, just in case you didn't notice. I don't know if you know or not, but I don't drink. In fact, wine is like drinking petrol to me. So please don't think I'm doing this message out of passion for alcohol. Someone said as I brought these barrels in on Friday, are they full? And I'm not even looking at who that was, but they're related to me. Um, So I'm, you know, I had a word, I had a word for myself, well I didn't have the word, but I received a word on the 17th of January and it was after going through something quite tricky for me, Um, I felt really let down and I was thinking how am I going to face this year, did anyone else start feeling the year like that, I was thinking what is 2021 going to look like, so I was feeling quite stressed about it and Pastor Hans Fortman was here and he had a word for me and I was looking at it today Ash and it just made me think and he, I wrote it down because I was so... I'm surprised that I didn't even remember it, but it talked about God will give me something unexpected this year, which I am really thrilled about. So, And I want you guys to have something unexpected today, and I've been working hard preparing this, and I hope that you are surprised by today. All right, so we're talking about launch point, and it is a season of unexpected, not just for me, but it's a season of hopefully unexpected for you guys and for just really expanding on your faith. And I think if you were here last week and if you were here on Tuesday night, you get a real sense that there's a real thirst in our midst and we want to actually see something different and see some miracles and, and have a real fresh touch from God. So I, I thought what I'd do is look at Jesus' first miracle. Let's start at the very beginning, right? So this miracle is very well depicted throughout history. And this is one image of it. And it's done by Martin DeVos in 1596. And it reflects the miracle we're talking about today, which is in John 2. Does anyone know what the miracle is? Can anyone tell me? Water into wine, done some props for you, good. So this is called the marriage at Cana, which is the story. This one I did for our redheads, because Jesus has got red hair. I think that that's fantastic. Uh, This is by Giorgio Vasari in 1566 and what I love about art throughout history is that it it grabs your cultural content of the time doesn't it so I think this one's quite fun Um, a lot of people wearing very formal I don't know about the guy that looks like a dress to me but I'm not going there right now this one is my ultimate favorite though this one I've actually seen because I got to go to the Louvre Um, and this is Paolo Veronese and this is 1563. I I just picture being at the wedding at Cana and going, which one's Jesus? Oh, he's the one glowing. (laughs) Yeah, that's Jesus. He's the glowing one. Okay. So I thought that was pretty fun. So I'm going to start off by reading the actual story to you, the miracle at Cana, it's called. Let's let, I'm going to read it from paper, old school. 
On the third day, and this is John 2, 2 to 12, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana at Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. I don't know what tone she used. I'm going with that. I don't know if, you know, she's Jewish. They have no wine. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but I'm just going with a straight. They had no wine. Okay. And he said to her, woman, what does this have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Clearly they were empty. Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it to him. When the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, just like that, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew The head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, remember weddings are days, right? Then he serves the poorer wine, but you have kept the best wine until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was Jesus' first display of his glory, and the disciples believed him. That's massive, isn't it? Clicker. So where were they? So we know Jesus uh, was born in Nazareth and the wedding was in Cana. So that's about an hour walk, six Ks at a, all right, maybe an hour and a half if you're a bit of a dawdler. But it's about an hour and it was not unusual to invite everyone to a wedding. And I just want to point out that you don't have to go on a missions trip to see or do a miracle. It can be in walking distance. Mission strips are great, but please be mindful they can happen here too. So Jesus and his friends are at this wedding. Very interesting to me, it seems like he could have gone anyway. He could have not gone to the wedding. He could have been busy, but he was. And I want to raise the idea that God was very concerned about this couple and this family's disgrace or not disgrace in this moment. And Jesus travelled a long way to be there, really. He could have gone, as we saw, if I go back to the picture, he could have gone anyway, but he went straight to Cana. I mean, he could have gone the other way, he could have gone to the beach, he could have gone to the, to the river, right? But he went to the wedding, very specific. So why was Jesus being at the wedding and doing a miracle such a big deal? We can only speculate because we weren't there, right? But I want to point this out to you. This might horrify some of you, but everyone drank wine at weddings. Weddings were for days. Everyone drank. Children drank wine. Young people, old people, people of any background drank wine. The reason being, they probably did drink milk, goat's milk, cow's milk and water, but you didn't do that 
probably at a wedding because there was no refrigeration and, and you had to drink from running streams to actually have safe water. So the reality is if there was no wine, there is no beverages. It's not like we're having... All right, we've run out of sparkling, but we're having you know, red wine now. It's not like we run out of, you know, red wine and we're having soft drinks. It's no beverages. So that, that, if you've had a family wedding, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? To actually have nothing left to give people to drink. So I want to point out that this actually was a very big embarrassment to that family. But God was worried about that, which I think is amazing. So there's no wine and there's actually no water, so they go and get water, and somehow in that, the water is turned into wine. So Jesus asked for the water to come, and I want to talk to you about the actual concept, chemically, of turning water into wine, because I'm like a scientist, that's why we're doing this, right? So Dr. Cliff Lewis says, Jesus really did change the water into wine, thus revealing his glory at a molecular level. The water is basically hydrogen and oxygen. Only thing I learned in science. Know that? Anyone else? Yes, fantastic. There is a wine molecule. Water molecule, wine molecule. They look quite different, don't they? Wine that contains sugars, this is Dr. Cliff, this is not me, we all know I'm not a scientist. Uh, Wine that contains sugars, yeast and water, which contain carbon and nitrogen, along with oxygen and hydrogen. Thus, by changing water into wine, Jesus demonstrated his authority over the atomic structure of atoms by commanding oxygen and hydrogen atoms to disassemble and reform into other atoms of different configurations. Okay. Dr. Cliff Lewis says, because he wrote a fantastic paper on this, the amount of energy for you science people that it would take to perform this atomic deconstruction and reconstruction is staggering. To do so without any visible transformation of the liquid, John doesn't say anything about people noticing, does he? It just sits there. Indicates a mastery of natural law far beyond our current comprehension, 2021 people, long time ago, and he accomplishes it without any physical exertion. So if you think about a Harry Potter film, which I am a Harry Potter fan, things happen in pots and then they come out and they fly around, which is probably what should happen. I feel nervous now because Lynn's like my smartest friend in the world and now she's in the front. And they would fly around. Is that right, Lynn? You know, because you need extra space to make change on an atomic, atomic level. They talked about it's like doing a nuclear bomb, this level of technology. So, and it had to come back together to reform into something else. And yet... It just sits in a pot and changes, just like that. It's, it's sheer, incredible, incredible feat. Let's do the math. This is how smart I am, right? <laughs> it's quite funny, really, isn't it? So there were six stone jars, wasn't there, right? Six stone jars that were 30 gallons of in each, which did the math... 681 litres of liquid, that meant. So 681 litres of water was changed into wine. 
908 bottles of wine, Jesus made like, just do, just do that. Just do that. 908 bottles of wine, that's 300. So if we had, you know, them either side, it would be 908. $30 a bottle, that means that it's at least... $30 is average, apparently. I Googled it, right, for you cheapos that want to spend six. That's average, right? $30 a bottle, sorry, went too far. $30 a bottle, around $27,000 of a miracle that just happened because God did not want that family to be shamed. It's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. John 2, 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. See, Mary expresses faith in Jesus before anyone else does. She initiates something. She puts her faith into action. It means she really believed in him and she had faith in him. If she didn't have faith, she wouldn't have done it, would she? So James 2.17 says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. After seeing the miracle, the verse says that the disciples put their faith in Jesus. So up to that point, the only one who believed Jesus could do it was his mother. This is the first of his signs. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed. Sometimes we just need to see a sign and that's okay. I think that's okay. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I brought that scripture up because I think it's interesting that Satan knew that Jesus could turn water into wine as well because he could do something with bread, stones and bread. So I love the concept that the two people that cottoned on to this was his mother and Satan. Interesting. Jesus is the living version of God's word. John 6 verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that Jesus has spoken are spirit and life. The words we hear today are spirit and life to us if we receive them. So Jesus asks us to believe his words today. He'd spoken to his disciples about a time when he was going to leave them and they started to panic just before his crucifixion. It was a time when they were like, well, but we want to be with you. And John 6, 68 to 69, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go if you're gone? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So if you go, what, what do we do? Jesus said his body and blood were the food and drink we need for eternal life. 
John 6, 54 to 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and my body uh, and my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So communion, although it maybe doesn't make sense in the natural, is something that's a very spiritual moment where you get to connect with God. And there's this great story in Luke I just want to highlight before we take communion. Luke 24, um, Jesus has risen from the dead and he meets two men walking along the road and they are discussing Jesus' death with Jesus. So that he's get the picture, two guys, famous guy Jesus dies and he's in a, you know, he's in a tomb. So these other guys are walking along the road having a chat about what does this mean? This guy, you know, said something and Jesus walks with them. But they've never probably maybe seen Jesus. They don't know what he looks like. He doesn't have Facebook. He's just walking along the road and he's like, oh, what are you talking about? And so they get chatting with him. And so this is where we pick up the story in Luke 24. And they, Jesus, Cleopas and the other guy, didn't get his name in the, in the mentions, approached the village when they were chatting about Jesus. Um, and Jesus acted like he was going a bit further. He was making like he was going to walk a bit further. And they said, no, no, stop, stay with us. So they went to stay with him. And when they went into his house, and when they had reclined at the table with him, he took bread and broke it in front of them. Listen to this. This is really key. Then their eyes were open, and they recognised him. And he vanished out of their sight. So let me just get some bread. Tiger loaf roll, important. Love a tiger loaf. So he's walked with them. He's done a walk. He sat with them. He reclines at the table. But it's this that reveals him. The actual physical action of bread being broken somehow... It, it does something. It's like a miracle. It does something. They, they, they're watching and he goes like this and their eyes are open. That's fascinating, isn't it? How is that even a thing? Can you see the weight of what communion is? That memory prompt. Something happened in their spirits to recognise the Holy Son of God in the simple breaking of bread. Fascinating. I'm fascinated. So as we take communion today, I'm just praying that God reveals himself to you in a very new, unexpected way. Interesting, the men, didn't, uh, the men showed him hospitality, which was great, but in that hospitality, Jesus was revealed. Very curious. They probably didn't, maybe didn't know what he looked like, but somehow this made them know what he looked like. And maybe that's what we need today. My hope for us is that somehow today we seek a miracle. And if you don't have a miracle you're waiting for, I suggest you get one. Get one. Is it your neighbour? I've got beautiful neighbours that I'm praying come to know Jesus. 
praying for that. You, you might have a, a child, a family member that doesn't know Jesus. You might have a, an illness and you need recovery, mental health, physical, whatever. Find a miracle. It's the season, 2021. The roaring 20s, Pete told us, golden years. We're doing it, aren't we, Pete? Fantastic. So what we're going to do is we're going to use this beautiful trio's song, and I want you to hear it as a prompt of faith. It's a prompt for you guys. I want you to hear it come through, and I, I, I don't want you to be overwhelmed by how superb it is, because it is superb, but try and see past the beauty of that and feel the beauty in here. Feel what God is doing as you take communion, but before you take communion, I want you to seek out a miracle. I want you to seek for something. What is lost? What is lost that you need to find? You might not even know what it is, but maybe as you take communion today, you'll feel that. So I'm just going to pray and then these guys will start. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the breaking of your body in our place, Lord God, the sins that we can commit a whole lifetime are forgiven by this simple, miraculous act on the cross. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done and we ask in your name that you forgive us. But most of all, we pray you reveal yourself to us through this act of breaking of your bread today, Lord. Amen. So often enough for Jesus to know He could turn water into wine. It wasn't. He actually had to do it. You see, it's not enough to know. It's the action that counts. What stays in here is lost out here. The world isn't changed by what you believe, but what you do with your belief. Have a think about that. That's going to be my tagline. The world isn't changed by what you believe, but by what you do with it. It's not enough to know you've got a changed life. You have to actually live a changed life. See, Jesus took this broken person, broken, and now I can do something. Surely you guys can do something too that you're not doing. You can change. We're all broken. But it's through our brokenness that God reveals himself and that we glorify him and he is made strong. It's in our lacking that he is made whole. So there is no excuse for you not to share your story of what Christ has done for you. No excuse. One day you're going to look Jesus in the face and he's going to say, what did you do with your time? Yeah, it is scary. So it's not enough for us to know people can be healed through the laying on of hands and for praying, we actually have to lay our hands on people and pray. And we're going to do that. We're doing it all through May. James 2, 14 to 17. 
So also by itself, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be well, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Charity. We need to work on charitable acts. It's very powerful. I think what we need to be mindful of, we can be people of great faith, but if we don't do something practical when the need arises, it's hypocrisy. Right? So I want you to spend some time over the next week thinking of a practical measure you can do to outwork your faith. That would be great. The other thing I'd like you to do is do something to make space for the unexpected. And that might be a big step for you. That might be a bit more prayer time at home. It might be being brave enough to come down the front as a response. That might not be something that you're normally comfortable with. It might be coming on um, Tuesday nights, not this Tuesday, but normal other Tuesdays um, next week because we've got conference this week. might be coming on Tuesday nights and praying with us together. We had 88 people here last week for a prayer meeting. People are hungry for God. We want to be stirred. We want to we touch touch something tangible that's going to make a difference in our community. I just want to read to you from Luke. Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit before Luke um, uh, 14, 16, and it says, And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight for the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I'm going to say that's 2021. The year of the Lord's favour could be this year. So this is the part where you have to do something. We've got to do something practical, great. But we also have to do something to make space for God. And we've done that with our services. We've condensed things to make space. And with Tuesday night, our prayer times, our launch points, whole hour of waiting on God. And if you're not here, you miss that. That was that was the best thing of my week last week. Fantastic. It was so great. Be here. So if we make space for God, we might see the captives free. And we might see recovery. And we might see healing. But you've got to make space. Like if you weren't, I understand people can have things on, but if you want to see something different, you've got to do something different. Right? Let's make space for God.
You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.